Mate, this is going to be awesome. It's not stayed to come down for that one. Hit him, hit him. It's more than just a hobby, it's who we are. Cracker. That's why we hunt. Welcome to the Educated Hunter Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Ultimate OE. As most of you would know, Curran and I run a business called Ultimate OE. We specialise in sending young Kiwis and Aussies to Canada and Scotland to work in the hunting industry. Applications for next hunting season, so 2020, both in Canada and Scotland, are now open. As hunters, we're not often happy with inauthentic experiences. We're always looking for something adventurous, more exciting and more unique. Same goes for overseas experiences. We deliver once-in-a-lifetime opportunities working for the best outfitters in Canada and the best hunting estates in Scotland. Our train-before-you-go setup means that we can secure all the best jobs with the best employers, with the best people and the best spots all ahead of time because they know you're going to turn up with the knowledge and skills to hit the ground running when you get there. If you're interested in an OE in Canada or Scotland next year based around hunting in the mountains, it doesn't get much better in my opinion. If you think you might be interested or just want to learn a little bit more about what we do, feel free to get in touch and get us on email at ultimateoemail at gmail.com. You can flick us a PM on Facebook or Instagram, either through the Educated Hunter or Ultimate OE pages. Either will work, whatever blows your hair back. Enjoy the show. Um, thanks for joining me. I've got Cam here and I have managed to catch him. <laughs> When's your flight? Uh, an hour 40 then an hour's 40 time so I've done the old Vancouver airport intercept um, just to get uh, get an opportunity to sit down and, and chat with Cam and talk about I guess <laughs> the last year in your life bro yep. it's been I don't know and you got here early like you think about it like what we are January now so it's almost a year within a week since we met each other yeah because last year we trained all the boys in January mm-hmm. and girls. Um, so it's been about a year. It does it <laughs> must seem like a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been away from New Zealand for a year and I don't even know what to expect when I get back. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I've been all over Canada and the States and done so many different things. It's just, you know, a whirlwind. Yeah, and I've been getting sort of regular updates from you as the as your season or seasons of progress and it's you know from my perspective and me or Curran's perspective we had a conversation yesterday about the fact that you know there's a handful of guys that have been through the program who a it's your attitude like have the right attitude to come over here and just do try Mm. everything and see everything as an opportunity and don't say no to anything and concentrate on having the best experience possible but also the circumstance to be able to do that, i.e. <laughs> there's no handbrakes at home, you know, yeah. you don't need to be anywhere, you're not, you know, on a break from work, you're, yeah. you know, gainfully unemployed mm-hmm. and over here. And then two, you, you've got a Canadian passport, haven't you? Uh, no, but I have family here, which was like made it a little bit different. 100% made it possible to do what I did financially. Yeah. Um, being able to have a base camp and the Vanco- well Victoria uh, Victoria on Vancouver Island yeah. and I could come back there after seasons and spend time there instead of having to pay to 
live yeah. somewhere. Because you came um, over a little bit early before, because you did a, a spring beer season. Yeah. And then you did, obviously, the fall up in the mountains, yeah. Yukon. Yeah. And then, since then, you've been gallivanting around <laughs> the United States, which yeah. we'll get to in a minute. But how did you, do you remember, how, well, here's a good question, how long were you in Canada before you went went up to uh, Alberta? About a month, yeah. No, yeah. I, I uh, kind of wanted to, well, I gave myself a contingency of time of getting everything ready, which I uh, recommend for people when they do come over here, just at, not quite as long as I do, you don't need a month, but just a little little buffer period if you have any problems, because you do have some admin to do when, once you get here. Yeah. Um, and that helped, but then uh, because I had family here, it made it easy, and I just traded work for uh, some accommodation and stuff out on the island, and... Uh, and yeah, so a month, and then went to Alberta and did my spring bear. How was that? Uh, it was, uh, it was, <laughs> it was insane. I mean, um, I mean, to go from never seeing a bear to, before to every single day having to run two or more out of camp um, at night or whenever it's uh, it can be intimidating. Yeah, I but, still, uh, still remember the first messages I started getting from you from Instagram on, on, on Facebook and they were kind of a, me- a, a cross between holy shit look at this experience <laughs> I'm having but there was a sort of a subtle undertone of is this normal yeah. should I be concerned yeah. I'm having to run these things off every five minutes yeah. oh, no, mate, you're, you're all good yeah, yeah. yeah no there was, a, there was a, f- a couple of hairier moments out of the whole lot I mean it actually got to the point where you saw so many bears that it was more like, oh, crap, I have to go get rid of this thing again. You grab the gun, you go outside, you put your headlamp on, and you're staring out into the dark looking for a pair of eyes because um, your dog's going off, so that's how you know there's a bear out there. Yeah. Um, and it was a tent camp, so we didn't have cabins to keep us safe. Yeah. Um, and just to be clear to everybody, these are black bears yeah. in Alberta, so they're kind of like the cuddly version of what you have to deal with up north. Yeah, they, cuddlier. The cuddlier. We we had we had a bit of a different experience to the usual black bears, just because it was um, our area was kind of close to a big open pit mine, right? And um, they a lot of the bears had been on the mine and had bear scare teams scare them off of the mine. Right. So they'd seen people and so, like bangs didn't scare them. So I had bears that I would. Like sometimes you just yell at them and they go, and then other bears. I mean, the worst one I had was I was um, I was uh, fleshing out a couple of bear skulls, and this is for yeah anyone that might do this. You can at my outfit I could make fifty bucks, fifty US per bear skull I fleshed out, so nice. a little extra cash on the side. Um, and I was fleshing out these bear skulls. Stupidly, I was sitting at the skinning table facing into this uh, sort of lean-to tarpaulin tent that we did all our skinning in. Yeah. Um, so my back was to the forest, and I was listening to music, so I couldn't hear much. <laughs> and then so I'm working away, and uh, and and uh, I thought I saw something black out of the corner of my eye, but I was like, oh, no, it's just my earphones and my, and my ears. I keep working away. And then I'm like, no, something definitely moved. I looked behind me, and about a foot and a half to two feet, there's a black bear standing there, and he'd been there for at least two minutes, just yeah. standing <laughs> right by <behind laughs> me. And I jump up. I'm like, oh, said some uh, choice words. Um, and then you kind of you don't want to run because then you don't want to activate the predator drive or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
but you don't want to stand there because there's a bloody. Um, it wasn't a massive bear, but it was big enough to <laughs> considerably mess my bigger life than up. a Labrador. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so yelling at him, he didn't go, and he started following me into the uh, skinning shack. Starts like sniffing at a couple of the bear hides that were hanging in there, and then I walked around behind the um, tarpaulin. And he followed me around, and I was like, oh, shit, now he's, like, actually actively following me. Yeah. So there was a quad bike scene there, and I fired that up, revved the piss out of it, and that kind of scared him off a bit. While I was doing that, I was yelling to the cook to grab my gun and bring the dog up. Um, and so by the time she got there, he was sort of standing off in the in the trees, and then, um, and then I uh, kind of scared him off a bit more. And I couldn't see him, so I just went back to work this time. Shotgun next to me, <laughs> um, staring out into the forest, one earphone in. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then he came back like 10 minutes later, and I, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> had to get rid of him. Yeah. I didn't, didn't kill him, but I had to scare him off. You had to scare him off again. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a, a bit of a baptism of fire. Um, poor old Ben Barney, we did a podcast with him be over a year ago now but you know he he often laments that the first bear he ever saw was at full charge yeah um, that's not fun no so it can be a bit of a baptism of fire um and we don't and won't send anyone in the program to that yeah. particular camp unless they've got some uh yeah a pretty solid foundation because it's a it can be a bit unnerving but black bears are black bears are sort of curious by nature but um you know they're uh I mean, statistically worse than anything else, but it's mainly yeah. because they've got more. Well, it's not mainly; it is because they have more contact with people in yeah. so many different places, and they are pretty susceptible to get habituated once they get used yeah. to, you know, as you say, the mine people mm-hmm. chasing them around, using different techniques to try and scare them off. Yeah, you know, they just become desensitized to all that kind of stuff. It is. It is like it's important. I don't think you should be fearful of them because I mean, you, if you're out there doing this job. They're going to be around. You're probably, I mean, if you're unlucky, I see it as unlucky if you don't see a bear because yeah. they're bloody cool animals. But, um, but yeah, you just need to have a like healthy amount of respect for them. Yeah. Um, give them a wide berth if you're trying to avoid them. And, uh, just be prepared that, like, you know, when I was out wrangling in the Yukon every morning, I'd make sure my rifle was cycling rounds before I went wrangling. Yeah. Because, if you if you got a bear, because when you're walking through there, head high willows, you're bumping them. They'd probably be five to ten feet away. Like yeah. that's how close you'd be to them. You need to be able to pump one into them fast. Yeah. So if you're not cycling, it's yeah. So yeah. just little. Well, things it sounds like, that. like you learn pretty quickly, like not listening to music and keeping yeah. you back to where the predators are coming yep. from. Yeah. That's a good start. How was the? Uh, how many bears did you skin by the end of the season? You reckon? Uh Maybe twenty. Oh yeah, it's not bad. Twenty. Yeah, your bear skinning game is pretty on point, I imagine by now. Yeah, it takes a little bit. Their hides are thinner than you expect, so they're quite Super easy. Thin, eh? Quite easy to nick, but um, but yeah, it's definitely sharp blade and like clean cuts, and and you're away. But yeah. um, yeah, I mean, other outfits they do much higher volumes of bears, and I would have skinned a whole lot more, but. The outfit I was at, what I really liked about it, it's called Double Diamond Wilderness Hunts, um, is uh, anything shot has to be over seven foot or seven, at seven foot. 
Nice. Um, so, like, the quality of bears are pretty amazing that you that you get to see um, nice. come through. Um, and he'll chew customers out if they did go for a, a smaller bear. A smaller bear cause well, it just standard. ensures there's a bit of age on them, really. Oh, yeah. It? Yeah, no, it's just a well-managed. Uh, and how do they... How do they ensure that clients are shooting over a seven foot bear? Because I mean, I can, I've seen a lot of black bears and done a lot of black bear hunting, but they are quite a difficult thing to judge sometimes. Right. Yeah. So how how do they? What methods are they using to try and? What yeah. do they tell the clients when they turn up? So this outfit, which um, yeah, I wasn't sure how, how I was gonna, if I'd like it or not when I first turned up because we don't really tree stand hunt in New Zealand at all. Yeah. And this is uh, in, in Alberta tree stand hunting for black bears is pretty much the most common way they do it um and it's usually over bait as well yeah so um the bears come in um and you might have to sit for i don't know eight hours for a bear like the bear like a good sized bear to come in or shorter yeah. or whatever um there is a challenge to tree stand hunting i still always prefer spot and stalk on foot yeah um but I I, re- I respect I respect people that really give it a good go because it it does have a bit of a bit of a hard edge to well, it's it. It's a mental game a lot of the time. Yeah, especially when it's freezing out. So you're sitting there dead still, and you have to be dead still because uh, not so much with bears, but I did some whitetail tree stand stuff down yeah. in um, down in Oklahoma, and yeah, if you move, they see you. So, but uh, yeah, to judge the size of the bears, is they'd have um, maybe like a two meter long rebar. Um, post hammered on either side of the crib and the crib is it's a got a center tree with um, long logs making a v towards the center tree right and they're built up um, so the logs are stacked on top of each other and it it forces the bear to come around in front of the tree to get to the bait which is at the base yeah um, and so when it comes around the around the corner of the crib the rebar's there, and the rebar has an orange tab at, at the seven-foot mark. Right. And so you're quite easily able to, um, like, see if it's seven foot or not. Because That's really it, smart. Yeah, it'll either be at that mark or bury it, and if it buries it, yeah, you're, you're away. You're away. Um, and then the good thing about bears, uh, hunting bears over, um, I think it's one reason why they do it a lot, um, is because they're always after boars pretty much. Um, and when they come in onto a bait site, they often roll around and you can get a positive ID on gender because it can be actually quite difficult to be really hard. tell the difference from a distance. And then I had that experience in uh, the Yukon because then it was, we did get one black bear uh, spot on stalk and uh, they're considerably smaller in the Yukon compared to Alberta, which I was surprised by. So this was about a six foot um, black bear in the Yukon, and it was a bloody nice bear. Apparently, a really good size for um, for the area. But um, but yeah, so and it was kind of that IDing it was a lot harder. But you yeah. could you could tell it was a boar um, just because he was pretty big. Um, but yeah, that difference in the style of hunting. Was, yeah, the spot and stalk for black bears is a lot of fun, but man, it's ninety percent the judging, and it's. That that method's really smart because you know that that marks it, you know, indicates yeah. a seven foot bear. The trouble is when you're looking at one at 200 yards, 300 yards, a kilometre away, mm. it'll be standing next to a tree, but you don't know how big the tree is. Yeah. Or it might be standing next to a stump. It could be the world's biggest bear and the world's smallest yeah. stump, which is what your brain wants it yeah. to be because you always want to see a big bear. Yeah. So your brain 
tells you that it's just a really small stump, yeah. therefore it's a giant bear. But yeah. often it's the other way around. It's usually quite a big stump in a yeah. They're, they're weirdly uh, deceptive like that. Like yeah, because so I'd seen all these bears in um, in Alberta, so I was like, yeah, I can judge a bear pretty pretty well. Saw this bear in the Yukon. At this point, I didn't know that their bears were smaller than Alberta. Yeah, and I saw it. I was like, man, that's got to be like seven foot two yeah. or something. And then it's a six-foot bear, which is considerably smaller. Yeah. But from a distance, you're like, man, that thing's huge. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're quite deceptive. And the very first bear I saw were out um, fixing crubs from the previous season. And uh, a bear just rocks up. And this is the very first one I saw. I was, I was pretty stoked. Yeah. And, he, um, and I see him. I'm like, man, that's a huge bear. And then we, like, actually walked up really close to it. And it went up a tree, and my boss is standing at the bottom of the tree, woofing at it. Yeah. And um, and I looked at it, and I was like, man, that thing's tiny. Like, yeah. it just, and it was, I don't know, the perception. Yeah, it's uh, a really weird thing. It's the ultimate case of ground shrinkage, yeah. right? Like, yeah. You get it every so often with deer in New Zealand and stuff, yeah. and you get a really big-bodied animal or a really small-bodied animal. It makes the antlers bigger or smaller or whatever. Right. But you, you never get it like you do with bears and cats for that matter yeah cats are the same um they're a little easier because you generally chase them up a tree yeah bears can be a little bit deceptive all right so you, you made it through that obviously with all your limbs intact yeah and then you had a little bit of time off didn't you yeah i had just over a month and i sort of um and that was uh there was a period of time where oh actually one of my guides at, in the at the alberta camp uh one of the other guides he invited me to come stay with him he was quite a well-off guy he did the guiding kind of on the side but he was a contractor in the oil fields so yeah he had a pretty sweet place he invited me out to his hunter's cabin and i stayed there for a couple nice. of weeks which was pretty sweet and then um yeah then i flew back to victoria um and then some of the ultimate oe boys started arriving and because you were placed with cam nickel weren't you yeah 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 but I, before that, I met up with uh, Josh Maisie and Claude McIver. Yep. Um, and had a little, tour. little hangout and tour and stuff of Vancouver. So that was cool. And then Cam turned up um, pretty soon before we went to um, the Yukon. And uh, and then, yeah, we went up there and had, a, I mean, the story is pretty insane. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know I caught up with you and Cam yeah. um, for a beer is that the story you're going to tell yeah go ahead I think it's a great story yeah so uh, this probably won't happen to you if yeah. you uh, <laughs> if you come and do actually I'm going to go one step further I'd be very surprised if it happened to you yeah you've got more chance of running into a grizzly bear than this happening to you but it's just I guess it's before we get into it it's an example of oh, the literally probably hundreds of stories that I hear every year after the boys get out of the bush yeah and I've said it a hundred times and I'll say it again that it's my favorite time of the year, like yeah. early October when yeah. all the boys are coming out of the bush, I get to yeah. go out and have a beer and listen to some of these stories. And this one that Cam was telling with the other Cam uh, is by far one of my highlights from this year. So <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So we turn up to, uh, we turn up to White Horse in the Yukon and we get picked up by our guide and he takes us into an area called Little Salmon. Um, it's this big lake and that's where our outfitter actually lives. Um, and that's where we shoe 35 horses before we, um, trail in. Um, so 
Cam and I get there, it's just me and him, two guides and our boss. Um, and we start showing horses and, and whatnot. Um, and then... So you're pretty fresh. You've only just met... Yeah. Only just met Bill, who's your boss. Yeah, yeah. And the other guys are foreign too. And you and Cam had spent like a week at the training together, but in a couple yeah. of days in Vancouver. So everyone's sort of feeling each other out at that yeah. stage. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you do this, if you do this uh, experience, which I highly recommend, um, in the you'll figure out that the conversations you have when you're in the bush can go pretty crazy. I mean, getting bushed is no joke, and the stuff you say just has no limit. Yeah. To the crazy shit you can say. And in the first day of the boys hanging out, we're like, oh, geez, it's going to be a long season. That's <laughs> like <laughs> the, some of the stuff that was that, that was being said. Anyway, so uh, we've been there a couple of days and then this guy turns up um, from Alberta and he was uh, going to be another wrangler. Um, and he's a little bit older than Cam and I, I think. Um, and... He got hired pretty much with no reference by our boss um, because some they needed an extra wrangler or something. They got this guy. And I shook hands with him and I was like, man, this guy creeps me out. Like just <laughs> eyes super wide, like just really intense dude. And uh, I was like, oh, I'll give him benefit of the doubt and like he's probably all good. And then um, like there were a few little things. He just laughed like a hyena and just like <laughs> – <laughs> just like creep everyone out and just ruin a joke like if someone said a joke you're just laughing and no one would laugh anymore and um and uh and then so one day we finished showing and after every day showing we we're drinking beers um and um but this one was just a chill one like everyone probably had about five beers or so like relax yes. and um i see this guy just like when we're in another room he'd sneak off and smash back beers just right. by himself clearly had a problem and then that night he like did some like said some real sketchy shit to cam like slapping his ass but like not in a like not in a not, locker room rugby locker room kind of way yeah, like, in a, no, like a, a creepy and some of the shit he said to him was like in cam almost he was like you touch me again i'll drop you right here yeah and and he wasn't for pretext cam's Ex-army or current army? Ex-army? Ex-regular force, current uh, reserves. Yeah, so not yeah. too big on no. having people grab them by the bum cheek. No. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so that, that went on, and then but nothing really else happened. And then we all went to bed probably like 11, 12-ish. So he was in another cabin with this uh, native Canadian fella and... Um, the native guy woke up to him completely blitzed with his knife. He'd taken the native guy's knife, was like waving it in front of his face while he was trying to sleep and was like, said some like, man, he he, he asked him why it was so sharp and then um, like said that the native guy wanted it sharp to like scalp his own mother or something and like just wow. real inappropriate shit. And like uh, the next morning, um, the guy's name was Lestat kind of odd name but that's his name Lestat comes up and like tells me and Cam about what um what he said to him and like this weird shit and then Cam said what he said and did the night before oh and then that morning he broke into Cam and I's cabin <laughs> grabs Cam's shoe and throws it out into the um lawn in front of the cabin and like 
cam skiing purse. He's like, he's about to knock him out. And, um, <laughs> and, and he's like, what, why are you doing that? And, and the guy's like, oh, I just want to see what you do when you're angry. And Cam's like, I was like, I said to the guy, I was like, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, no, you don't really want to mess with Cam. <laughs> no. Well, Cam was telling me, he was like, in my mind, I was like, in a normal situation, I would just knock this guy out. But yeah. Probably not the best impression. Nah. I've only been here for two days. And, right. Oh my god, what if yeah. I get fired? And yeah, yeah, that's all going on in his head, yeah. biting his lip. And then, uh, and then the native guy said he um, he apparently knew what um, what it smelled like to have hard drugs being smoked around, like meth, yeah, um, around him. So he said that he could smell that on the guy and in the room that he was staying in. So this guy was. And the guy was super erratic, like, real weird. And so we were talking to each other, and we're like, man, we need to tell our boss, like, because we have to spend just under three months in the mountains alone with this guy, and if, like, you have to be able to trust the people that are around you. Yeah. We didn't. And so we told our boss, and he's like, yeah, that's bullshit. Like, um, uh, I'm going to send this guy home. And then, so he, but then the guy was, hopped up on drugs still in the morning and he didn't want to like spark him off and make him do something stupid because we knew he had a gun and knives and shit and um and he wasn't a small guy either and so he could have done some damage and so he like kind of fires him but like it was kind of awkward kind of awkward and a little bit vague so that he didn't lose his shit and then we were like man this guy is I don't want, and the guy that was meant to drive him three hours, three or four hours back to Whitehorse, we're like, we don't really want him alone in the truck with this guy. Um, so we were trying to come up with a different solution. Um, and then we started working the after he'd been fired, and he was sitting off by himself watching us, like sitting on a log in the trees creepily staring around the trees whenever <laughs> one of us moved whenever me cam or the stat moved yeah because we were the ones who i guess had like got him in trouble or some shit yeah. and um oh and then he walks up to me and cam are just standing there and he like gets in our faces and just gets his snitch snitch and cam again goes to like i didn't really understand what he just said but cam did and was like about to drop him again he's like what like uh, so it was going pretty, pretty, pretty south, pretty fast, and it was about to get a whole lot more western, because um, um, he goes off and sits um, between where we were working, showing horses and the cabin, and we knew he had a three hundred in the cabin, and we we're like, that's not great to have this guy hopped up on drugs, angry at us calling us snitches, watching us from the trees, just like, yeah, it was, so it was a bit sketchy. So oh, I don't know if legal purposes I can say this next bit. Um, I'm going to leave that out. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, so uh, we were prepared. We had um, something that could stop him if he tried anything close by. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I think everyone listening can use their imagination. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, it got to the point where he was like cackling to himself in the trees. And then he pointed at us like he was shooting a gun and goes, and we're like, 
shit. <laughs> like that's kind of that's a tipping point. Yeah, that's a tipping point. So we all went back inside the main lodge and he uh went to his cabin and that was where he had the gun and we're like, Oh shit and he threw the gun case and it looked empty, threw it out in front of the cabin and we like clearly heard a sound that was like <laughs> and we're like oh fuck. um and so we're all in the lodge um everyone's got a gun like sounds like a scene out of okay corral yeah Yeah. it's a it got went pretty western like we there was everyone's got lever actions shotguns like hold up in rooms in the lodge with an eye looking at the bloody cabin um and he would like come out of the cabin take all of his clothes off and it was a pretty hot day, and then put it all back on, winter coats, everything, and he did it about 20 times, just obviously high as hell on something or with withdrawals or something like that. Yeah. And um, we're just watching him do this shit. He's sitting out on the, um, like, deck of the cabin, stabbing it with his bowie knife and, like, <laughs> gouging the walls and shit. And, yeah, and Cam had gone <laughs> and done some, like, I don't know, recon shit and was across the road with binoculars looking into his cavern and he could see him popping pills in there and like yeah anyway so at this point we're like no no one's driving this guy to town so we called the cops but we're in the middle of nowhere and it took them two to three hours to get there and so we got really like like it was we had the conversation if this goes south if he starts shooting for some reason or whatever like you know yeah. it's your him yeah so it was well like i just remember my hand was shaking uh, I, like i was just like this is this is legit shit like it was so, <laughs> yeah some borderline gunfight um and then the cops turn up and he we got lucky he went to the outhouse um so he left his gun and the cabin and he'd gone to the outhouse and the cops turned up and they happened to, one guy in the area happened to be a dog handler yeah. and he had his um, German Shepherd with him. And so we tell them that he's in the outhouse and they like run over there with the dog and they <laughs> bust him taking a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got his bowie knife in there on the floor and like they arrest him and shit. The dog's just going mental. Um, and like he like walks past us and it was so awkward. <laughs> and uh yeah, so they arrested him and he's not allowed in the Yukon for like seven years or something. Right. I bet you didn't get a lot of showing done that day. No. No. We yeah, that and that was the other bad thing. We were an entire day behind on showing horses. Yeah. And so yeah, and then my uh, boss was like Man, I understand if you guys don't want to do the season. It's like <laughs> this is before we even went into the yeah. mountains. So um but it was kind of best case scenario that that happened outside of the mountains because can you imagine that happening in there? Like, no, I can't. It would um, be really scary. Yeah, it would be. And uh, and we went into the mountains with a good group of dudes that you could trust. Um, and yeah, had a good season so, after all that. Had a pretty bloody awesome season. Right, after I'll just that. do a time check. We're good. Yeah. Are you comfortable going till just before five? Yeah, maybe like quarter two. Quarter two? Yeah. Right. So that means you've only got 10 minutes. Tell me, okay, we'll follow this vein. When you were showing those horses, up to that point, you hadn't had a lot of horse experience, had you? Not a whole lot, no. Okay, and right now I'm staring at the table. You've got a cowboy hat on the table. I sure do. You've got yourself a nice little sort of 
western goatee going on. <laughs> and I know you've been down south throwing yeah. ropes at cattle and doing stuff. So how in hell have you gone from probably the ultimate OE course in January where we yeah. probably broke your back on a couple of horses to yeah. where you are now? Yeah. Um, from showing into the mountains, was it all smooth sailing or was it a bit of a baptism of fire? We had the ultimate baptism of fire because our outfit trails in, unlike most outfits. Yeah. Um, it was it was insane. It was like, it was awesome, but it was insane. It was So our outfit, we had 35 head and we run them in um, through the forest along the edge of a lake um, for five hours at like a pretty good gallop. Um, and going from barely even being on a running horse to uh to like just getting knees bashed out on trees, ankles bashed out on trees my fa- <laughs> I got scar on my face now my arms all scut- cut up um just an absolute roller coaster. I got peeled off my horse, luckily managed to get back on um cam got peeled off his horse uh and like because it's a full run um there's one rider out the front who was one of the guides more experienced fella and he would yell if there was a widow maker hanging across the trail because if you hit those at the speeds that we're going sometimes you could i mean yeah it's kind of (laughs) self-explanatory um so yeah it was serious patterns of fire i got off the other end and i was like finally took a breath and i was like now it was one of the coolest things i've ever done yeah. Um, so once you got through that, broke that barrier, and then you've got a season of riding, which you just, you just, it, there's a time if you haven't ridden a lot of horses, when you jump on a horse and, you, and then you realize that you didn't even think about it. Yeah. And you're like, ah, like there mm-hmm. it is. Like that's what, that, that's what all this is built to. And then obviously trail out, we did the exact same thing. I was, had a vicious hangover. We'd crown, <laughs> crown royal and, uh, and, uh, and a bunch of beers and uh, was pretty stupid before a five-hour run through the woods. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and th- but on that run, like on the run in, on the trail in, I was like wanting my horse to slow down. On the trail out, I was trying to make him go faster because I was yeah. like, it was, it was fun. Um, and once you learn how to dodge trees and not bash your legs out, you actually have a good time. So. Yeah. Um, well, your ass would be broken into it by that point too. It's yeah. never any fun that first ride of the season, despite yeah. how much of a cowboy. Yeah, if you haven't been on a horse for a while, it's a it, it can get quite uncomfortable quite quickly. Yeah, and we had uh, we had our longest um, ride to a spike camp was uh, eleven hours, I think. Yeah, so it was a pretty, it was a good punch. pretty good one. Yeah, um, arrived at like one in the morning, which was it was it sucked because it was freezing i was dead tired um but it was one of the most amazing experiences because we rode into this valley and i just like lean back in my saddle and look up and just the entire sky was aurora borealis yeah just like dancing it was like green it had purple in it like it was and, it, and you're cold and miserable but you look up and it kind of just brings you back and you'll never see that like that without doing something like this so um those little things they just make kind of shitty moments like 
how you're feeling in the moment, completely worth it. And there, don't get me wrong, there's a bunch of times when you're like, man, this sucks. Yeah. But then the times that you're like, holy shit, this, this is awesome, just completely Trump worth it. it. Yeah. So, touch on the hunting a little bit. Do you remember, let's just go, because we're short on time. Yeah. Best animal of the Yukon season? Best animal would be uh, a caribou based on um, the people I did it with, the hunt itself, yeah. and, uh, and uh, ju- yeah, just in general, the entire hunt was cool because it was me, Cam, our boss, who's bloody good oak, yeah. and um, this hunter from Minnesota who um, was just such a good dude and, like, super fit. Like a re- you get some clients that aren't real hunters. Like you yeah. just, you know, you know what I'm talking. About? Like they they hunt, but they yeah, this guy does it himself usually. Like, yeah, professional clients. Yeah, and so this guy was awesome, super friendly, um, could banter with the boys yeah. um, real well, and uh, and we rode. This was actually on that one where we rode 11 hours to this awesome hunting spot. And um, we broke a trail up a mountain and we went right to the top of one of the mountains and um, we actually found a real big bull in this valley or on the side, on the left side of the mountain and um, and we are going to give it a crack. It was in a prick of a spot so we were like kind of arming and ahhing about it because you do have to get it out of there. So Yeah. Um, and then so we started our stalk kind of towards it um, and we come across another herd of caribou in a much better spot. And there happens to be the king on the mountain right there, like yeah. bigger than that other bull, just awesome bull, Sorry. old beast of a bull. Yeah. Um, and just uh, our guide came up with a great plan. Cam and I um, held off and monitored it from a distance as they crested the little ridges to get closer to it and, um, Cam got an amazing video of it all. Like, um, yeah. he brought an awesome camera, which I recommend if you do do this. A good camera makes a big difference with yeah. the photos and stuff you can get. Um, and the guy made a like hammer shot, dropped it, same spot. Um, and then it was a beautiful day, amazing view over the um, valley. And uh, and we it was fairly early in the day, so we weren't really rushed for time which was nice and we uh gutted it and we cut a couple of bits off it and at the, we didn't have any horses even close to us so we're like well we can't pack out an entire caribou from here um well we don't need to right now because we can probably get horses close to it tomorrow and now it was later in the day it was getting pretty cold yeah so it would have been sweet overnight um and so we um, went back down the mountain had to bust another trail through the bush because we came down another side, um, went to the cabin, and um, I think we ate caribou tenderloins that night, yeah. which was pretty cool. And then the next day, we went back there. Uh, we couldn't get the horses even close to the caribou. Um, but this was part of the fun of why the hunt was yeah. so good, because we busted ass for this one. Like We went straight back up that mountain. Um, this time we had all our big packs. We didn't. Oh, that was why we didn't take any more meat down on the yeah, yeah. way down the first time because we only had little ones. Um, and I had a caribou leg and a back strap in my bag. Cam had one, and everyone had to just split it evenly. 
hustled down the mountain, got there, and we put our horses at the bottom of the mountain, packed them up and rode back into camp, and it was just, it was awesome. And that meet was the first day super chilly, yeah. but we were in that valley for seven days, I think, and we just let it hang. And we had that caribou at the end of that week, and it was just amazing. It was an awesome meet. Yeah, it's pretty um, good, isn't it? So, it's hard to beat a good day in the Yukon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it was awesome. Like, we just had fun. Yeah. We worked bloody hard, and uh, yeah, no, it was great. Cool. Yeah. So, I'm sure there's probably a hundred stories you could tell me about the full season, but um, do you want to give us a quick rundown of what you've been up to since? Yeah, so... Uh, since then, I one of, one of my clients, actually he was one of Cam's uh, clients, but I got along well with him in the main camp as well, and he invited both of us down to Colorado where he's got a um, horse breeding ranch for uh, quarter horses, Yeah, um, and he runs a landscaping company, and um, pretty big one, um, and he invited us down. Cam unfortunately couldn't come, but I took him up on it. I went down there and, man, I got there five minutes in the car. He asked me if I wanted to go to Mexico. <laughs> Hazen books me a trip to Mexico in five minutes. Oh, shit. Um, and then he took me elk hunting in New Mexico twice, whitetail hunting in Montana on Ted Turner's uh, Red no River Rock Ranch. Um, went to Texas for a uh, rodeo. Went to Las Vegas for the national finals rodeo. Um Holy shit, man. And just, uh, I had a, I was there for three months, uh, met a lady friend in Oklahoma at one of the <laughs> barrel racing futurities. <laughs> so, uh, so there's that. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I'm definitely going to head back to Oklahoma. I mean, I have reason to go back now, but, yeah. um, but yeah, and I just had a bloody good time, did some work for him on his ranch um, and like fencing and helping out with uh, the horses and all that sort of stuff. So you've actually physically started doing the roping stuff? Yep. So uh, I asked one of the, um, he's like this old school Mexican cowboy there. Um, he barely speaks English, but I was watching him rope and he was really good. And I was like, hey, can you teach me how to do that? And he's like, sure. And so he started teaching me how to rope and uh, the got bitten by the bug i mean just being around rodeos and then doing the roping myself i was just like this is too cool yeah um so that's something i really want to continue are you going to do another season in canada hunting season? Uh, most likely yeah. yeah yeah good for you man yeah last question what would uh you give cam from january last year one piece of advice that you could give yourself if you went back in time now uh the thing is, I have no real regrets because I did say yes to things. Good for you, man. So I'd say just make sure you say yes when those opportunities pop up. So, yeah. yeah. Well, good on you. I mean, like I said at the start of the podcast, you know, you got to be willing to take those opportunities Yeah. when they show <laughs> up. I mean, and it's, it's amazing how many different doors a trip like this um, or any of the OEs that you can do open up and if yeah. you're willing to you know just go roll with the punches and experience new things and meet new people yeah then it's amazing where it can take you yeah so i'm really interested to see you know yeah um you know over the next couple of years where you end up absolutely bloody interesting yeah yeah well, uh, one one tip i would give people is that there are a lot of things you can't control out there 
Um, but there are some things you can. I mean, just be careful because things can go south. Have the right gear. Yeah. Um, that made a huge difference in being comfortable, being safe. Like, you get caught in a snowstorm and you don't have the right gear, you're buggered. I, I got um, some great first light stuff from Cam McKay at Point South. Yeah. Um, and he sorted a great deal and he uh, works with Ultimate OE as well. And just that gear, man, like, merino wool and stuff, like, saves your ass because it's lightweight and you can carry it around and that stuff was real good. Here's a question for you. Do you think it would have been different if you hadn't have done the Ultimate OE stuff? Uh, yes. In yeah. what way? And the way that I wouldn't have been as mentally prepared for the shit that gets thrown at you. And there's a lot that gets thrown at you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that camp that Ultimate OE runs is like, it's comprehensive. It's 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 a lot in a short period of time, but it is comprehensive and it covers most things that you're going to run into um i thought it was valuable uh i i definitely um i mean i would definitely do it again if i was to do all of this again well, i appreciate uh, you saying that We're at the risk of this turning into an ad we'll, we'll shut you <laughs> off there but yeah, sure. um i do appreciate you saying that it's interesting i was thinking about it on the way here it's like as as blokes in general and as kiwi blokes we you know we a we don't like asking for help right B, we don't like admitting we need help. Yeah. And C, we don't really like paying for help. Right. That's probably the the king of it. Yeah. And what we're asking guys to do with the Ultimate OE stuff is literally do all three of those things and right. say, hey, look, I could probably learn a bit before I go over there. Yeah. And I've got to put my money in where my mouth is in order to have you guys yeah. teach me and then place me somewhere good. So yeah. we do ask a lot. So full credit to you for putting your hand up and doing it. And I yeah. think you are. And this. You know, a, a really good number of guys that, you know, and they tend to be the younger guys that have got no real connections at home, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. you know, get to do the what we call the long tour, which is just sort of keep on going from one job to the next. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Shearer is another good example of a guy who's done that. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's a good oak. Yeah. So yeah. he's in his second year now and trying for a third. Yeah. And he, he basically hasn't stopped since he started either. Yeah. Um, and there's a number of journeyman guys now that are in their third and fourth year that come back every year to do the guiding. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also guys like Cam Nickel, who you're with, who come over, do the two and a half, three months, yep. go home, and then probably come back and do another two and a half, three months yep. and call it good. But, I mean, he's just starting a job next week with a New Zealand outfit. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, he's yeah. obviously got the bug. It was a good foot in the door for Absolutely. him in terms yeah. of guiding. So yep. um, I'm glad you've had a good time and appreciate you taking the time to catch up with me. I'll... Uh, I'll let you go through security now so you can yeah, perfect. not worry about catching yeah. your flight. Yeah, no, no, thanks for uh, meeting up before I head off. And I appreciate the opportunity that ultimately did kind of oh, kind of no, give us. Our yeah. pleasure, bro. Yeah. Our pleasure. It's why we do what we do is to have these conversations and see, you know, all you guys go off in different directions. And, yeah. Yeah. How do you reckon it's going to affect your hunting for next year if you're in New Zealand? Like the New Zealand hunting cam before you left versus now? Is Massively it? improved. I learned, I learned a lot, and there's stuff you learn that you don't think you're going to learn. Yeah, um, you don't know what you don't know. No, and uh, yeah. No, and it, it, you just get even more confident in your abilities as a hunter. Um, and that was one thing I wanted to get out of it. I wanted to become a better hunter, and I 100% did. So. Yeah, good for you, man. Yeah.
Awesome. Did you see old young blood stag that he got the other day with his blood? Oh, it's a beauty. Yeah. Beauty. Yeah. He obviously learnt one or two things. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> no, he's done well. Yeah. If you're listening, if you're listening, um, good on you, bud. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll shut it down there. Um, yep. Thanks for joining me, Cameron. There's so many more stories. We'll get you at some point. Perfect. Are you going to be in New Zealand for the training? Or are you uh, yeah. Back I, here I, chasing I, your new lady friend, buddy. Uh, you know. So, if so yeah, we'll get line. you for part two. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> to be continued. Right. Cheers, mate. Cheers. G'day. Thanks for listening to the Educated Hunter podcast. There are a number of ways you can connect with myself, Matthew Gibson, or my partner in crime, Curran Island, at The Educated Hunter. And the hub for all of this is our website, theeducatedhunter.com. Our Instagram page is at theeducatedhunter. Our website also has a spot where you can sign up for our newsletter that comes once every two weeks and is full of relevant information about hunting in New Zealand and around the world. And lastly, you can search out any of the episodes that we've done in the past and find the show notes on that episode. Other than that, thanks very much for listening and I hope you're having a good day wherever you are and your next hunting adventure is not too far away.